Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of john good morning saunterers welcome to a saunter through the book of the gospel of according to john it's probably one of the most read books in the whole world i did a little bit of um, research and apparently the most read book is the bible which we kind of knew but the um book of psalms comes in ahead of john probably in terms of most popular and matthew's pretty popular but anyway we're going to have a look at it together today. I hope you can hear me. I've got a microphone, so um, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. And um, we'll crack on. I'm going to pray. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to just be with us now and open up this incredible book and let us have a really great time today as we look at you, at your word. And, Lord Jesus, be alive to us. Don't just be a historical figure, but come alive to us in your precious name. Amen. Fabulous. Hi, Kev. I see the thumb. That's really good. So uh, here we go. The Gospel according to John. Uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John was one of Jesus's best friends. We the, He describes himself as this disciple Jesus loved. And we read about him kind of leaning back against Jesus at the meal table and stuff. Morning, Tracy Ann and Fran. Great to see you. <laughs> Captain Squawky's well and truly outside today. It's very windy out today. Um, and so John was this uniquely placed guy to have eyes on Jesus and to give us this representation that he does of Jesus in his gospel. And gospel means good news. And this is the good news according to one of Jesus's best ever friends. And so we're really privileged to be able to have a look at it. And John starts off with this classic, very, very famous to anyone who's read the Bible at all. But this very famous prologue, the word at the beginning. Good morning, Ruth. And even calling it a prologue is just such a kind of play on words because it's the word in the beginning, it's the word at the beginning of the book. Is up, yes. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Good morning, Adrian, Tia, Fliss. Great to see you guys. I've missed you. And he says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." I mean, we could spend the rest of the day talking about that. And scholars, Greek scholars have kind of backwards and forwards over it for centuries and centuries and centuries. What does it mean? Why does John use this terminology? Why does he say in the beginning was the word? Now, the word in Greek there is logos, which can just mean quite simply word, a word, a spoken word, a word written down. And yet this for John is full of meaning. Let me read it again. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is really, really cool. So he's, John, what he's trying to do is kind of bring a, bring a single word somehow that encapsulates all that Jesus is and all that he ever has been and kind of brings him into a single point. And he says, in the beginning was the word. And um, for the for the Hebrews, they had this understanding, like when God speaks the word of the Lord, it talks about the word of the Lord came to me or the word of the Lord came to Samuel and so on. So they had this idea that God could send his word and it would have impact and change things and so on. We have this also this knowledge of the story of creation where God says, let there be light. And, you know, right at the beginning, he says, let there be light. God speaks and this thing happens. Boom. God's word makes things happen. The Greeks had a, a kind of understanding philosophically that there was this kind of essence of everything that and uh, let me just read this little statement that the word um, they were understood the word to be the power that sets the world in order and maintains it an eternal and unchanging truth present from the time of creation available to every individual who seeks it so maybe John's trying to hook into that but what we see is he uh, what Jesus said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he's saying, really, when a person speaks, what's in them is coming out. And so to talk of Jesus himself in that way and to say Jesus is the very essence, the outspoken, very nature of God as he <laughs> reveals himself. The writer to the Hebrews says that he's the glory of the invisible God. Where is it? I've lost it. I've lost my place. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so this is the logos, the word that John's introducing. And he's saying this is not just a God. This is not just someone sent from God. This is God himself. And so when he makes this statement, the word was with God. It's like we see that somehow God the Father and God the Son, as we come to understand him to be, are distinct and yet they are inseparable. And the word was God. So the word was with God and the word was God. So we can't say that it's just one thing because there's definitely the word was with God, but also the word was God. And the, this is where Christian theology runs into conflict with the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witnesses badly translate this and say the word was a God. Logos was a God. It's actually all the Greek scholars with any oomph will say that is total rubbish. It's such a bad translation. And the accurate translation is the word was God. So in the beginning, was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and here we now here we just see that if if this is this is this is so profound, he says, All things were made through him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. So all the creation, all the things we see, the created order, the rock strata, the, the universe, the stars above, the trees, the birds, everything that we know and love around us, the physical universe was made by him. There's, and, and there's not one thing that is made that was not made by him. And in him was life. Now, this word here is so profound. The word life, zoe. It, I'm probably pronouncing all the Greek words wrong, so don't hold me to <laughs> hold me up on that one. So he says, in him was life. Zoe, it's the essence of life. It's not just bios, which is the Greek word for biological life. This is life, the very, the very fullness of life, the very essence of life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so the prophet speaks of the people who lived in the land of darkness have seen a great light. And we read it at Christmas and it's a beautiful scripture. Jesus is that light. He comes into this world of darkness and the darkness can't swamp him. Even though there's great darkness over the face of the earth, and a sense of lostness and kind of fumbling around in the dark, suddenly this light appears, this light that is the light of life appears, and the darkness can't swamp it, but the light dispels the darkness. And so John is making, he's trying to articulate the most profound truth. And this, has, this these few verses have become like, a major cornerstone of Christian theology. We understand that the word, the Logos and God the Father are distinct, and yet they are both God, equally God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. So, ah, man, and yet he is the agent. He's the executor of creation. He's the one who makes it all happen. It's so incredible, isn't it? And so what he's doing is he's trying to condense these incredibly rich, incredibly vast theological concepts into a few short sentences. And we've got to say, well done, John. And I love it because he's like, he's very different to the other three gospel writers who some start with the birth of Jesus and so on. He, do, he doesn't, he doesn't even, he he's just kind of trying to capture that vastness and that eternal nature of Jesus the fact that Jesus has always been there he's God he his life did not start when he was born to the virgin mary that was when his his he appeared on the earth if you like but his life didn't start he is from everlasting to everlasting he is the eternal god so wowzers this is so cool in him was life and the life. In him was Zoe, that essence of life, and the light. Life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And even however dark the darkness is out there, is never going to annihilate the light of Jesus. He has come and he's brought light into the world, and that light is spreading fast throughout the nations of the earth, even now. Right. Verse six, <laughs> we could have a long conversation about those few, few verses. Let's move on to verse six. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now, this is really important. This is a very different way of speaking about somebody. He says, there was a man sent from God. He was also sent from God. The word comes, which we'll read about in a second. But John was sent. We have the same word, apostello. Apostello is where we get the word apostle from. John was sent from God on a mission and he came to bear witness. He came to like be a credible witness in court to swear an affidavit that this is the light who's come into the world. He, he came to bear witness to the Logos, to bear witness, to be a credible witness to Jesus and who he is. So he, he was not the light, and that's a very important thing. John, the apostle, just puts that in there just in case anybody is still hanging around who thinks John the Baptist was the guy and Jesus was a secondary person. He says, no, John clearly was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And here we go. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Wow, that's so cool. Hi, Rachel. The true light, which gives light to everyone, <coughs> was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. And that is still the picture, isn't it? So the world with its worldly wisdom, even though the very, <coughs> excuse me, even though the very brain we use to think about God, he made, he wired up our little brains and gave us this incredible brain that is able to do the most phenomenal things. And yet the world didn't know him. Do you know what? The world still does not know Jesus until revelation comes, until that light breaks through into their hearts and and it's not even then so much a knowledge up here but it's a knowledge in here where there's that sudden realization i love the stories of great scientists who come to know jesus and they've been going on through their lives just not even thinking about god and then suddenly jesus begins to interrupt their thinking and begins to invade their thoughts and bring that light into the darkness and confusion and suddenly you've got this great scientist who's done great work already using their incredible brain. And yet they have not seen Jesus until that light comes into their hearts. And suddenly they receive and they, they And it's like, oh, the lights have come on. And so he says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus is the revelation, the one who reveals what God is really like. He's the one who makes sense out of everything. He's the one who is, ah, oh, he's the one who lights up the darkness, isn't he? So the world, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, <clears throat> he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So even 
his own people, the Jewish nation. So Jesus was born into the Jewish nation. He's ethnic. Eth <laughs> oh, I can't say that word. He's ethnically, I think that's right, Jewish. And he, he was born into a nation who had the Ten Commandments, had the Torah, the Old Testament. They had all these prophets who'd spoken for generations about God and what God required and what God was like and so on and so on. They, they, this was the, that God had specially chosen to raise them up, to be a light themselves in a dark world and to demonstrate God to the world. And yet when Jesus, God himself, comes in and comes among that nation, they didn't recognize him. It says they came, he came to his own, his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but for all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And clearly some believed, but as a nation, they rejected him. And we know that as a nation, they formally um, executed him to get him out of the way because he was upsetting them. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the power, to become the children of God. That's incredible. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so what John is doing there, he's saying, listen, to everyone who received him, God began a miracle on the inside where they were born in an entirely different way to the way their life physically began. So my life physically began through my mum and dad, and it was, the, you know, he talks about that here, even through the will of man, there was some decision involved in that by two human beings who gave themselves to each other, and I came as a result of that, but he's saying, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power and the right to become children of God, and we're born in an entirely different way, not through the will of man or the will of flesh, but of God. And so what he's describing there, and this is so condensed, it's so wonderful theology. If you're interested in theology, John's your boy. He is such a great scholar and theologian and writes so well. But he says there's a new birth. There's something else that happens. To everyone who receives Jesus, there is a new birth. Something happens on the inside where you're born by the will of God, uh, born on the inside. And then verse 14, we have this very, very familiar text. He says, and the word became flesh. This logos, this who we know to be Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. John, this is John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I'm going to just pause there a second. You will remember that the Israelites walked through the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't have a temple. They had a tent. It was called the tent of meeting. The old versions of the Bible call it a tabernacle. We're used to that word maybe 
Theologically, we understand the tabernacle was a special kind of tent. And so we only use that word normally in relation to the tabernacle in the wilderness or David's tent. But God's presence lived in that fabric, that fabric construction of badger skins and embroidery and poles of cedar and overlaid with gold and all this kind of stuff. But God's glory somehow dwelt in that temporary, frail structure and now and accompanied these God's people through the wilderness for 40 years. And now we see John using the same language and he says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but the word he uses is literally tabernacled. It's like he pitched his, the message Bible translation says he pitched his tent among us. God himself took on the human flesh. The word, the logos, became flesh. This eternal, cosmic, glorious creator God who had created everything and is not one tiny little thing that is created, that he didn't make, became flesh. <laughs> Come on! This is beyond anything you could imagine, you could dream up. That God himself, the great creator, the inventor supreme, the inventor par excellence, and every other inventor is just finding out something that God had already discovered and invented or God already knew and had coded into the universe and and we just find these things and we think we're doing so great and we get a Nobel Prize and so we should but amazing that this great inventor God somehow squishes himself into this human form becomes flesh he the word became flesh the word the word became flesh, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, pitched a tent, took on this temporary dwelling of a human body and dwelt among us. And John says, and we've seen his glory. We've seen his glory. We sat with him. We ate with him. We slept alongside him. Oh, we walked with him. We sweated with him. We got in a boat with him. We did all these things. We beheld. We saw his glory. We have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That word there, only son, is such a tricky one once again to translate it's being argued and argued and argued and we have the word only begotten son in the king james um, version of the bible only son one and only god the one and only this is just such an incredible <laughs> it's it's a mystery and we need to understand that it's a mystery if we can explain fully in every intricate detail how it all works then there's no mystery, is there? And God, it surely must be a mystery that God himself could be condensed into a human being and come and live and dwell among us for 33 years. That is just so amazing. I love what J. John said. He was in a school one day and it had not been going well. He was doing an assembly and the head teacher had been 
telling the kids off for 10 minutes straight. And then she said, right now, Mr. John's going to come and talk to you about God. <laughs> and he's thinking, oh my, what do I say? And um, he says, I know what, just ask me a question. Because we've only got five minutes left. Ask me a question, any question. And this year 11 kid from the back sort of stands up and says, have you ever seen God? And J. John says, have you ever seen Queen Victoria? And the guy looks at him like, no. And he said, yeah, but if you'd have lived at the right time and been in the right place, you could have seen Queen Victoria because she was a real person, lived on the earth and walked and talked. Same with Jesus. If, same with God. If you lived on the earth at the right time, in the right place, you could have seen God because he lived and walked and breathed among us. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> what a good answer. Well done, J. John. And so the word became flesh, dwelt among us. And John says, we have seen his glory. So John and the early apostles, they were witnesses and they very much had that as their sober, sacred responsibility resting on them. We have seen the Lord. We know what this is about. We've been entrusted with this incredible message. And so John, I'm sure he spent a bit of time thinking but the Holy Spirit obviously gave him the right words that we read today and they are timeless aren't they and they've got that kind of sort of sacred truth ringing out of them as we read them and he says we've seen his glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth and so now he's introducing God in the word was with God as the Father and Jesus, the Logos, as the Son. And so we're understanding yet again a bit more depth of theology. We're understanding that God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He hasn't mentioned the Holy Spirit yet, but he's, he's saying, yeah, we saw him. We've seen him. We have seen him. Full of grace and truth. Grace is the gift of God, that, that kindness, that favour that we don't deserve and truth. We know what truth is, although, God forbid, the, even the word truth is getting trampled on these days and we're talking about living your own truth. There's only one truth. There isn't a lot of truths. There is one truth and, and the truth is God's truth. And God is truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was filled up to the full and overflowing with these attributes, grace and truth, grace and truth. And when we look at the gospel writers and we see how they describe Jesus, we see exactly that, don't we? We see him full of grace, amazingly gracious to people, people that we would maybe be irritated by or not have time for. Jesus is there giving them grace, receiving them, but he's also full of truth. You can't mess around with Jesus. He's God. He sees everything. He sees our hearts. And in the gospel writings, we see him giving people quite a hard time when they're living in deceit and they're deceiving themselves and trying to deceive other people. He does not take kindly to that kind of stuff. And so we cannot have Jesus without grace and truth. Now, there some people seem to go too far and want everything you know to be 
it's got to be like this. It's got to be like this. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. And you kind of look at them and you kind of think, but where is the grace? And others, you kind of think, well, yeah, you're so gracious. You're so accepting that there's no truth. Do you know what I mean? And Jesus is full of grace and truth. He is the ultimate in grace, the ultimate in truth. Whoa, where are we? So full of grace and truth, and John bore witness to him. So that's what that's John's purpose on the earth. John the Baptist was to bear witness. And if we understand that word well, he was like giving evidence in the court of the earth, if you like, giving evidence to the human race that this person here, who you see the dove settling on, this one is the one that was promised. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ that God had promised. And so, um, and he says, doesn't he, John the Baptist says, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. He's like, he is way above me in rank. He is from eternity. Uh, so verse 16, then for from his fullness, that's this fullness of grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace and John knew and Peter knew and the disciples knew that the Jesus's acceptance of them and his commissioning of them and everything else his love for them and his love for the world that he exhibited day after day after day in so many incredible acts of kindness um he says we have received grace upon grace for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Wow. This is what it's all about, folks. This is what John's gospel is all about. This is what the good news is all about. This is what Jesus is all about. No one has ever seen God except Jesus. And he's come to make him known. Wow. <laughs> we are on to a winner. Oh, what, a, what an incredible um, few verses of the Bible. And Lord Jesus, we pray now that these words will burn away in our hearts today. We'll be unable to stop thinking about Jesus full of grace and truth. We'll be unable to stop thinking about in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. We would be unable to stop thinking about precious, precious Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you and we say, we want you rolling in every area of our lives. We want that light, that life to be bursting out in us today. Amen. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget to share and do that stuff because it really does help.